Mark Waters and I'm a Senior Clinical Advisor for HPSP. Today I'm talking about rapid access specialty care. Mark, thanks very much for joining us. Can you explain what rapid access specialty care is? Thanks. Rapid access specialty care is aimed to redesign how we manage and care for uh, the patients that are within our healthcare system such that we provide improved continuity of patient care, direct contact into the specialty units that are caring for them and in a way for patients to avoid needing to ring triple zero and go to the emergency department. And Mark, what problem was it trying to address? Originally, the problem we looked at was the fact that patients who are known to the hospital system needed to come back to the emergency department if they had any worsening of their condition. So effectively, for all non-planned care, the only way into the hospital was through one door, which is the emergency department. The other problem that this highlighted was that the emergency department, unlike other services, seemed to have a, a scope of work which was almost that they were to care for a whole range of patients outside what you would normally expect their scope to be. So what's the benefit, Mark, to the system and then ultimately to our patients? Well, the benefits to the patients first are that they have a continuity of patient care so that when they're discharged from a hospital, they have someone they can ring, an expert nurse, to discuss with them any concerns they have if their condition worsens. In terms of the benefits to the system, it it opens a whole series of other ways patients can come into the hospital. Instead of having to ring triple zero and go to the emergency department, they can get a contact number uh, directly back into their specialty unit, discuss their concerns with a specialist nurse who can then either give them advice or have them seen by one of the specialist doctors caring for them. So what this really means is a dramatic change in how many people will access the emergency department and use the ambulance, quite a significant change. And as well as that, patients will have much better continuity of care. Where's this being trialled at the moment, Mark? So it, it was trialled at Sunshine Coast University Hospital in the respiratory service. It's been going now for about 14 weeks and the outcomes have been extraordinary. An evaluation has been published, but it really does show quite extraordinary reductions in the number of these patients requiring uh, access to the emergency department. It shows extraordinary reductions in the percentage of patients being admitted when their condition worsens. And it's also shown uh, a dramatic reduction in, in the length of time they spend in hospital. So that when you look at the outcomes, it's been much, much better for patients. And that's what they tell us when we've interviewed them. It's been much better for the emergency department and it's dramatically reduced the uh, number of beds needed to care for this cohort. And where to now with rapid access specialty care? Well, it's my opinion that this applies to all specialties in hospitals. If you go back to basics, this is really fundamentally about continuity of patient care and providing the best care for patients, particularly elderly patients who are frail and, and require uh, ongoing care. And I think as well as that, given the problems facing all hospitals and health services across the country, I think this different model is applicable to both all specialties and all hospitals and could be applied nationwide. Mark, if we fast forward five years, what do you see as the potential for the model and how do you see the model fitting in with other rapid access services? 
Well, look, I think I think we've been careful to call this uh, a rapid access system uh, at Sunshine Coast because, in fact, things like rapid access clinics and direct admission pathways are part of a major redesign of how we how specialty units look after their patients. So this really does require a major cultural change for specialty units to accept the ongoing care of their patients for both planned and unplanned care. And to do that, they will need to have a whole series of components, including the ability to see patients uh, within 24 hours if required by the specialty nurse, and we would call that a rapid access clinic. And it would also mean that when patients are seen by the senior doctors or by the uh, specialist nurse, they would be directly admitted to the ward rather than go through an emergency department. So again, that would be a direct admission pathway. So in summary, uh, what we're really talking about here is a major redesign about how care is provided, and that will have a number of components to it, including rapid access clinics and direct admission pathways. Mark, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Hi, I'm Matt Page and I'm a Principal Project Officer with Clinical Excellence Queensland's Telehealth Program. Today I'll be talking about the eConsult initiative. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Can you explain what the eConsult initiative is? Yeah, so eConsult is a form of telehealth that allows healthcare workers across Queensland, both in the hospital system and primary care clinicians such as GPs, to ask a clinical question. It is performed through a secure process of providing background information, the clinical question itself, and attaching any supporting information such as test results, photos, or videos. In some cases, an e-consult question, it, it could be too complicated to answer by this process, and that patient may then need to be referred. The patient is actually not present during the e-consult, and the online communication that occurs between the healthcare providers does not actually happen in real time. And Matt, can you briefly explain to us what problem e-consult was trying to address? So primarily e-consult addresses the gap between primary care and the hospital system. So without the opportunity to seek advice from a specialist service, GPs traditionally have had no choice but to refer their patients to a public outpatient department or even in some cases an emergency department. Similarly, patients in rural Queensland health facilities that don't have access to on-site specialist services may need to be transferred to a larger regional or metropolitan hospital hospital to, to get that specialist level consult. What then is the benefit, Matt, to the system and then ultimately to our patients? Well, e-consult has significant potential to benefit everyone in our health system. Some of the boxes that it ticks are system optimization and, and healthcare reform, particularly around access to, to healthcare. Uh, it can improve timeliness and coordination of care. It can also improve the experience for clinicians and our consumers through faster access to specialist expertise and advice. It may reduce avoidable referrals and there that's when you can see that it may actually, down the track, have an impact on our wait lists. And it can also enable clinician learning and capacity building and also give capacity to local providers to provide care nearer the patient's home. 
So Matt, what outcomes has eConsult achieved so far? So, so far over the last 12 months, uh, the 2021-22 financial year, we had uh, very close to 10,000 eConsults occur across the system. And to date, we have 11 specialist services that have gone live across a number of HHSs. And they include specialties like burns, dermatology, wound management, general paediatrics, child development, podiatry, diabetes and endocrinology. And one particularly innovative service in using eConsult is the ENT Dialer Dizzy service out of Logan Hospital. That's a service that's designed to uh, manage patients who might present to a rural emergency department with dizziness symptoms, but that could actually be masking a more severe diagnosis such as a uh, brainstem stroke. We also have a further seven in production currently. And we're also developing a statewide enterprise version due to go live later this year, if not early 2023. Fantastic, Matt. So where to now with eConsult? So we'll continue working with all of those services that are in production. And part of that process is to continue refining the business and technical requirements that suit each of those specialist services. And as well as that, we'll also be continuing our work on the statewide enterprise solution, uh, which is on track, as I said, to launch later this year. That will mean that a standard base model of eConsult will be available for any QH specialist service to take up. So fast forward five years, Matt, and what do you see as the potential for eConsult and how do you see eConsult fitting in with other rapid access services? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question and, and I'm confident we'll be in a position in five years' time where the value of eConsult is realised and, and we're seeing the benefits within the system as well as for our consumers. We should see a decrease in unnecessary or avoidable referrals, also reduced transfers between Queensland health facilities and a more aligned relationship with primary care. While consumers may not actually see the direct impact of e-consult firsthand, as it may result in them actually never needing to interact with the hospital system, they'll certainly experience the benefits of care closer to home provided in partnership between their GP and Queensland Health. I think in terms of fitting with other rapid access services, it will dovetail nicely with initiatives such as rapid access clinics and direct admission pathways. And we've already had discussions about how it will work in those settings. And one of the key advantages of eConsult is that it it can be used across all aspects of the system. For example, emergency departments and, and for admitted patients. And it's not just limited exclusively for GP use. Matt, fantastic initiative. Thank you very much for talking with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, my name's Kim Hanson. I'm an emergency physician and the director of Metro North's virtual emergency department. Kim, thank you very much for finding the time to chat with us today. Can you explain what the virtual emergency department is? We are a service that sees patients and talks to clinicians via telehealth, essentially, so either over the phone or over video conferencing. We service all of Metro North, and just like any other emergency department, we're happy to see anyone who has an emergency that requires urgent care. So we do see patients of all ages presenting with all sorts of different urgent problems. And Kim, what problem was the virtual emergency department trying to address? We're trying to address the overcrowding in emergency departments and in our hospitals. And we realise now that patients can seek care in other ways. They don't need to be physically in front of us to receive health care. 
people are used to this now. They're used to using their phones to access food, to shopping, travel. And so it's really a natural extension that we move into healthcare. The idea was actually formulated before COVID, but of course, just fits straight in with a pandemic and the infectious risk of seeing patients face to face. And so it really has grown since then, since 2020. What is the benefit to the system, Kim, and then ultimately to our patients? So if we start with patients, they're receiving healthcare in a really comfortable setting in a timely manner. Most of our patients are at home or perhaps they're with their local GP and they're able to receive that care in the comfort of their own chair, their own home or their local GP in a really timely manner in a way that we just simply can't do in the physical emergency departments. Most people will be aware that if you present to a, an emergency department, you are likely to have a wait unless you have a imminently life-threatening event. And more and more, that means a couple of hours in the waiting room or on a trolley, perhaps in a corridor, waiting before you're able to see a doctor. In this way, we're able to speed up the delivery of healthcare because our team is pretty efficient and the wait times are much, much less in the virtual emergency department. In terms of the system, we're able to deliver care with an efficiency that we just can't replicate in the physical ED. We're looking after patients over a broad geographic area. We have very senior doctors, so they're able to make decisions really quickly regarding what is the best for the patient. And the more we can keep people away from those overcrowded emergency departments, those overcrowded waiting rooms, the better. And we're also developing links with other virtual care settings so that the patients don't need to attend hospital at a later time. We all know the demand for healthcare is going up and up and we just can't continue to deliver healthcare in the same way, only treating those people who are physically in front of us. We have to develop other means of of managing the healthcare demands on our system. And Kim, what outcomes have you achieved so far? We've been really successful. So the vast majority of our patients do not need to attend a hospital or a healthcare setting after the seeing the virtual emergency department. So 80% of people can receive their healthcare and don't need any further follow-up in the short timeframe. So that's been really great. Something else that we can do is manage COVID cases. And that's ideal to do that virtually because of the infectious risk uh, to staff, healthcare staff, when COVID patients are required to physically attend for healthcare. Um, A lot of our work has been COVID so far, but we'll happily see any presentations. And I think one other success is we work really closely with Metro North's virtual ward who do manage COVID positive patients in Metro North in their own home. And so that's a pretty seamless linkage for both patients who reach out to us or also their healthcare providers, such as general practitioners, to access that specialist care. And Kim, where to now with the virtual ED? So we're always keen to develop more pathways into the virtual emergency department and to promote our service, both to the general public, but also to healthcare workers across Metro North. And so we're always talking to new groups who may wish to send their patients to us. Certainly had conversations with prisons, community and oral health. The next step really will be to look at servicing areas outside Metro North. Um, We've already had feedback that it's unfair that people north of the river get this service and people south of the river don't. But Queensland's a large state. Not everybody has an emergency department in their suburb or in a short driving distance. So we would love to look at providing our service for all Queenslanders. 
And finally, Kim, if we fast forward five years, what do you see as the potential for virtual EDs and how do you see them fitting in with other rapid access services? In five years' time, I would love for all Queenslanders to know that virtual emergency department is an option when they have an urgent care problem and that we'll be able to provide that service to anyone in Queensland, anywhere, as long as they have some kind of technology, a mobile phone, tablet or computer, and be able to reach us. What I'd also like in five years' time, if those pathways on from the virtual emergency department could be both rapid and or virtual as well, so that we're not just referring patients back to the hospital, but we've got a number of other avenues. We already have that with the virtual ward. There is some rapid access clinics already available for some patients with some conditions, but I think five years' time, that will be much broader. We'll have a range of specialists available to us that we can access that specialist advice in other areas other than emergency medicine. We'll have a range of clinics that people can access without long waiting lists, and I I'd love to see that many of them would be virtual and I think that patients would be able to receive care either in their home or in a setting that's really accessible in a timely manner that doesn't necessarily involve going to an emergency department unprompted, if you like, or or just starting from scratch with a presentation to an emergency department, that the whole service would be integrated in a much better way. Kim, it's a great initiative. Thank you very much for sharing it with us. My pleasure, Rebecca. Thanks so much. Good morning, everyone. My name is Gaurav Puri. I'm a clinician. I'm the clinical director of endocrinology at Logan Hospital, and I'm also the chair of Queensland Diabetes Clinical Network. And today, Gaurav, you're going to talk to us about the voiced model of care. Firstly, though, thank you very much for joining us. Most welcome. Gaurav, can you explain what VOICED is? Rebecca, VOICED, uh, the acronym actually stands for Virtual Outpatient Integration for Care Delivery, and its tagline is uh, bringing you care anywhere. So as the name suggests, it's virtual. It integrates the appointments and provides care delivery for patients. So, for example, patients who receive care from more than one clinician for a disease or a condition, then they can see all of their care providers in one appointment by use of virtual means. And while doing that, they can also have uh, their family members present at the same time. Now, that sounds pretty straightforward, but but why voice is so special? Well, it's actually the consumer co-design socio-technical model. What does I mean by that? We knew right from the very beginning, from the inception of Voiced, that we wanted to provide a better care. But instead of just doing that, we went to our patients. We asked them, how would you like that to happen? And whether that be a simple audiovisual optimization or how the, the screen looked, et cetera, et cetera. So we actually co-designed the voice with our consumers. And therefore, we were quite lucky and humbled, actually, to receive the Consumer Choice Award at the Clinical Excellence Queensland. And briefly, what problem was it trying to address? I'm an endocrinologist, as I mentioned in my intro, so I'm a diabetes specialist. Uh, Diabetes now being one of the most prevalent chronic diseases. Patients with diabetes often require care by and from multiple specialists, for example, kidney specialists, cardiologists, and often they receive care through fragmented models of care where they attend each specialty appointment three to four times a year. And if you multiply that by three specialties, that's 12 appointments, 
And then in between, they will have care coordination done by their GP, probably around either five or six times. So there's no value in that sort of care. So Voice addressed that by simply integrating, actually, the care where the patient can see all these three clinicians, for example, in first instance, on one screen at one time, that addressed the major issue of the fragmentation of care. And it also took care of the unnecessary repeated appointments where a clinician or a specialist is waiting to hear from other specialists, and there was uh, inertia. Uh, and that just uh, leads to delayed care for our patients. Gaurav, it's a fantastic program. What outcomes have you achieved so far? The experience of the care received, most importantly, was 100% the feedback uh, that we received from patients. Uh, two, the experience of care delivered was close to, four, close to 100% uh, by the clinicians. What it also led to was a release of capacity. So what we were able to demonstrate was that by utilizing voice as a, as a platform or a, or a model of care, we were able to release the capacity because uh, the patient didn't need to come unnecessarily at multiple appointments. Uh, so we were able to provide a, a more comprehensive care, a more integrated care, and there was a straightaway 16% release of capacity uh, from the system. And where to now with Voiced? A louder voice, I should say. Uh, so we have got now other uh, clinical craft groups. We've got our Queensland Child and Youth Clinical Network. They have adopted Voiced to deliver the child development services. Um, the latest version of Voiced is the Voiced Gestational Diabetes Mellitus, so Voiced GDM which we are uh, going to launch very soon at Logan Hospital. So look, voice is just a medium. It's an excuse for clinicians to think that if a patient is receiving care by more than one clinician, then is it possible to use telehealth? Is it possible to use virtual care? Gaurav, if we fast forward five years, what do you see as the potential for Voiced and how do you see the model fitting in with other rapid access services? The next five years and if the way we want, uh, if it happens and it happens at the speed we would like it to develop, then perhaps we may not need to have uh, standalone voice services. We may not need to have each health service having their own voice services. There could be a a central voice services, for example, a diabetes foot disease model. So the iterations are numerous. So I would like to call it a, a louder voice. Well, it's excellent, Gaurav, and thank you very much for sharing it with us. You're most welcome, and thanks for the opportunity. 